We are live for a new episode of Electric Podcast. I'm Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. Glad you're good because we have a big show this week, a lot to talk about. Obviously, the Tesla earnings always brings a ton of news. Uh, we have a few other interesting things, and you see you at Toyota that might point to um, finally Toyota getting on board with electrification or at least uh, accelerate their electrification. Uh, but before that, uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into first just a few Tesla news that came because there was a some big Tesla news that came out out of, before the earnings too that uh, I want to get into. So first off, that was last weekend. Uh, just a little technology stuff like that's fun to talk about with Tesla because we don't talk about about that stuff with Tesla these days. My favorite, but yeah. So the magic duck is called, so Tesla updated the renderings of the supercharger in the Tesla app. And it's a bit dark. I should have changed the contrast on that picture. But uh, we see this here, which is a much bigger receptacle for the, uh, for the connector than you see right now if you go to a supercharger near you. And uh, we, we learned that thanks to the people at uh, Drive Tesla Canada that uh, the uh, the the this is the magic duck and the magic duck is going to be basically a CCS adapter that serves as a receptacle. So if you're a Tesla owner, you just use it as a regular receptacle. You just put it in, put it out, plug into your Tesla. If you're a non-Tesla vehicle owner, all you have to do is when you unplug it uh, from the receptacle, you you pull the the old receptacle together and the receptacle acts as a CCS adapter. You just plug that CCS adapter into your car. So you basically use the Tesla supercharger station exactly like um, a regular, like a Tesla owner would, except for you have to go through the app uh, for a few things just uh, to make sure that you're the right stall and you uh, activate the, um, uh, you, you have like a credit card connected to the Tesla account and all that. But other than that, it's, it's basically the... Uh, as close as it gets to the frictionless user experience that Tesla has with Supercharger, which, as most people know, is by far, by far the best um, supercharger, not, not well, the first uh, best fast charging experience out there, especially in North America. Uh, the other big news is Tesla announced a new $3.6 billion investment in Gigafactory Nevada to finally expand the factory. And uh, the new investment is going to be specifically for the Tesla Semi production and the production of 4680 battery cells. So this is interesting. This is basically builds up on what we uh, we reported on Electric on October, where we said that Tesla is going to finally expand the, the Gigafactory after basically I want to say like three years of uh, not doing it, like not expanding the actual building. It's, it's still at like 30% of the actual footprint Tesla originally announced. So people said like Tesla didn't Wait, like. You said thirty percent or sixty percent? I no, thought it was thirty percent. Oh, really? So it was. Yeah. It's only a third done. Yeah. Huh. It looked like it was more than half done. I, I thought it was. No, no. But you know what? There's that front part too. That. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, the, I think the, uh, from the new rendering, I think the plans have changed a little bit. But from the original plan, it was like thirty percent of the actual footprint. Uh, however, I think they might have gone a little bit higher than they used to, like they did in the originally planned. Like they have uh, two levels now, so mm -hmm. maybe the actual like uh, foot, uh, like space total space is a is a bit better, but uh, it's not clear. So a lot of people were like, yeah, "Tesla never like delivered on their promise there." Well, they didn't deliver on the actual footprint, but the investment into the or the original investment that they announced, they delivered on. Uh, Tesla admitted that uh, 
they, they just, it was their first Gigafactory and they uh, didn't plan the project perfectly. And they, uh, they actually found a lot of a space efficiency improvement that enabled them not to have to build a factory that big in order for Panasonic to deploy the production lines and for Tesla to deploy the, 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 the power wall and the drive units and the battery pack line and all that. So they managed to do that. But now this new $3.6 billion investment is going to complete the footprint of the factory. And they're going to add, like I said, Tesla Semi. Um, is there an official comment that I can use? Oh, yeah. Oh, nope, that's not it. So adding 3,000 new uh, hire, which is going to be a hard one to do because there's already like over 10,000 employees at Gift Factory Nevada, and a lot of them had to uh, move there. Uh, it, it has been the most difficult part, I think, of the, of the whole project. Uh, 100 gigawatt hour of 4680 cell production. And the capacity to produce enough battery cells for, okay, yes, it's still the cells. And the Tesla Semi production line, though, I don't think they released numbers on the Tesla Semi. Well, they didn't, but I think Tesla previously said that they were aiming for like 50,000 units a year or something like that, which is massive for a, for, for a Class 8 truck. And especially an electric truck, there's nowhere near that kind of production right now. So, yeah, this is, this is a big project. And now you have the new rendering here of uh, what the factory is going to look like. Again, panels, solar panels all over the top. And there's new... Uh, Run. It's gonna be a big project because uh, they're gonna have to move all the parking lots around. Like it's 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 a lot of uh, a lot of work, and it's it's disruptive to to the, like it's hard to make it not disruptive to the current production. One thing is interesting too, and one thing that might have delayed this whole thing also, I think, is that in the original deal with uh, Panasonic to build Gigafactory Nevada, before it was even called Gigafactory Nevada, I think it was like Gigafactory One or something like that. Uh, I think the deal included that only Panasonic is going to be allowed to produce battery cells there. So I think Tesla might have to, to make, might have had to negotiate with Panasonic in order to make that deal, in order to be able to make that announcement and start production of their own 4680 cells there. So that's, that's interesting. Something, that's something to keep in mind. Do you think or maybe they... Panasonic is going to be more involved than Tesla has led on so far because it wasn't like a joint release and then ceiling release from Panasonic and all that. So. Maybe they are more involved than they are letting on. That's that's possible, or maybe even likely, because they're still there. Like Panasonic's, they they're even the ones that do the hiring for a lot of the the stuff at Gigafactory. So yeah, yeah, they employ a lot of people. Employ like three thousand, I think, people there. And there's a lot of so you mentioned the people that work. You mentioned the employment. How are they going to get so many people, so many more people, three thousand people, when they're already We've we've heard reports before that Tesla's had trouble getting people hired. One of the reasons they haven't expanded uh, the Gigafactory in Nevada is that they can't get more people. How are they going to get more people? Are they going to build a train or? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm also confused about that. But but I mean, the thing is, not only Tesla has been developing there. Like a lot of other companies have invested in Northern Nevada. So maybe they, they think like. Uh, as a whole, it's just going to be a big immigration center. A lot of people are going to move there, and they can steal employees from other people too. Because it's going to be it's kind of, this initial park. Like when Tesla started, it was maybe like two or three other big employers there, but now it's like ten like major companies that are there, and they have all expanded their uh, capacity. So, so, so it's it's going to be like a hub where employees like move around. I think. And yeah, and I mean a lot of the 
companies are feeding Tesla as well. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. then there's things like Redwood Materials, I believe, is there. Uh, you know, Jacob Gobble's thing. So that'll be interesting to. I think the bigger, I think, I think he has something near Reno, but I think the bigger factory is closer to what's the, what's the capital of Nevada? I forget the name. Uh, Carson city. Carson city. Yeah. 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 Huh. All right. Then we, now we get into the Q4 result for Tesla. So a lot of stuff there, a lot of good stuff, a lot of very good stuff. I think uh, on the financial sides, I mean, so the expectation were $24.6 billion in revenue for, from Wall Street and $1.13 a share. Uh, Tesla delivered on uh, just a little bit lower on revenue with $24.3 billion, but higher on earnings with nineteen. Uh, sorry, $1.19 a share. So a good $0.06 cents per share over the expectations. Pretty good. Uh, but... It's not. It's not really the. That's not really the good stuff. Obviously, uh, just a net increase in cash position of over a billion dollars. Now Tesla sits on the twenty-two billion dollar cash pile, so they can really go like uh, Scrooge McDuck on it and, uh, <laughs> and all that. That's what the, and, that's what the big gigafactory is for is just cash <laughs> to hold all the cash. By the way, uh, can you click on the link on the thing on the chat? I only see the. Uh... Oh, oh, I expanded it. Sorry, my bad. No, what? Oh, it, it only might have to copy the link and go into the yeah, yeah, URL yeah, bar. Share this time. This is so weird. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So the, I think the, the biggest, the most interesting thing for me is it. We we can start to get an idea of how big of a gross margin hit this is going to get in uh, uh, in Q1. Not a perfect one, but we can start to get an idea of it because that's the big question. So, so that's that was the podcast last week. We spent a lot of time talking about the EV price war that Tesla started, and uh, we 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 see it happening right now. Like it, it started in, in uh, with the earlier price decrease that Tesla made in China, and uh, several other automakers followed in, in that market. Now Tesla a week later reduced prices everywhere, and now we saw. A bunch of other automakers follow, including today, uh, Ford reduced the price of the Mac E, which is obviously a big competitor to the Model Y. So there is an EV price war that's brewing right now. And we think that Tesla is in a pretty good position to win that war, thanks to its gross margins. But it would be very useful for us to see how big of an impact on the gross margin these big price cuts that Tesla uh, implemented earlier this month would do. And while Q4 doesn't give us a perfect idea of that, we sort of got a little bit of an idea of it uh, through, uh, again, that popped up, switching, through um, the fact that there was big discounts offer in December. And funny enough, for once, Tesla actually released some granular information about this that they generally don't. So... We actually know the number of cars that Tesla delivered in December, which generally never happened. We know that it's generally the majority of car is delivered. Uh, the vehicles are delivered in the last month of the quarter. That's why there's the big delivery pushes that we talk about and everything. So Tesla actually mentioned that those delivery pushes have been reduced over the last uh, few quarters. Uh, but they said that 51% of vehicles delivered in Q4 were delivered in the month of December. So it's still the majority, but by, by a smidge. 
So it tells us that half of the 405,000 uh, vehicles that Tesla delivered in Q4 were in December and were discounted because all vehicles delivered in, in December were discounted. Some more, some less. Uh, obviously, at the end of the quarter, there was a lot more. Uh, earlier in the quarter, it was fewer. But it, it, there were decent discounts throughout the entire quarter. Yeah, sorry, the entire but, month of December. But not the, but not the big discount. That just yeah, happened. not the thirty thousand dollars on the Model Y, obviously. Right. Okay, and that was obviously also half of the car delivers in a quarter, but, but that's still a lot. So that's still a lot. So how did that affect the gross margins at Tesla? Not that much. Tesla went from twenty-seven point nine percent in Q three to twenty-five point nine percent in Q three. So a two-point hit uh, with that, with half the car being discounted at a rate of about like fifty percent of what the, the the price cuts are. So that's that, that's pretty good. So trying to extrapolate that into Q1, it's very difficult, obviously. And uh, during the call, a lot of the analysts tried to get Tesla to, to, to give some information about it. And and uh, and they were, uh, I mean, Zach, Harry Kirkhorn said something, but it was not like very precise. In my post before the conference call, I estimated that it should be, it, sh it should be over 15% still. Like I would, I wouldn't be surprised if it's between fifteen and twenty percent. So it's gonna be instead of a two percent point hit like the that letter, it's gonna be probably like a between a five and ten percent point hit, um, which is a lot. Obviously, it's a lot, but fifteen percent gross margin. There's a lot of automakers that would kill for getting a fifteen percent gross margin. Uh, so. So it, it puts Tesla in a great position right now. And obviously, we've also seen that Tesla has increased the price on the Model Y by $500. So they realized that the, the discounts were a little bit too much of what they needed to, to bring the demand back up. So uh, that will help a little bit, I guess. But I would, that would help a little bit. I don't think that will even be impacted much in Q1 since uh, Tesla already has a backlog of order for, for Q1. So it's more going to be for Q2. But still. This is this is a big deal. Then Tesla in the shareholder. I wrote this article here where they said that Tesla pledged to cut cut the cut cuts down. I mean, on certain uncertain times, and that's because that the shareholder later, if it had a team, it would be cost cutting. So Tesla focused on on the fact that uh, um, there is macroeconomic uncertainty. So that especially the rising interest rate, it does increase the cost of finance financing cars. And most people, when they buy a car, a new car, it, it is finance. So this is definitely a, a, an issue. But Tesla believed that by keep, keeping their costs down, they're going to be able to get through those uncertain time pretty easily. They mentioned the current effort, in, including the reduction of delivery waves, uh, supply chains improvement, and all that. But at the end, this, Tesla had a pretty interesting comment where the basically a warning to the other... Uh, other automakers that might have a more difficult time than they do because, again, the gross margins is, is tighter. So we are particularly focused on the vehicle cost during this period of macroeconomic uncertainty, high interest rate, thus higher cost of vehicle financing and vehicle price deflation. We continue to focus on cost efficiency while improving functionality reality while cost efficient no. Okay. While cost-efficient manufacturing of EV is still rare across most of the industry, it is cr critical for profitability. And they have a point here. There's not yep. a lot of other automaker, even though they do, they might do make an average positive gross margin on their vehicle total. On their electric, they don't break down per vehicle, and they don't break it down for their electric vehicles. 
And we suspect that a lot of them are not making that much money on them. And if at all. If at all. And that makes it hard or even impossible to reduce costs, uh, to reduce pricing. And after Tesla did, you create a very interesting situation for yourself. Yeah. And, you know, we've already seen VinFast has lowered their price, which probably doesn't mean much to just about anybody. But uh, we're also hearing rumblings. Uh, we wouldn't recommend anybody buy a uh, Ford in the next four days. Um, yeah. We're hearing rumblings that uh, other automakers are about to drop their prices to meet uh, up with Tesla. But you're right. Like, nobody can make an EV as cheap as Tesla. And just because they've had huge gross margins the last quarter doesn't mean they can, you know, they can they can still cut their gross margins in half and still sell a cheaper vehicle than just about any other automaker out there. And it's a lot of it's scale. Like, nobody's going scale. Like, uh, you know, Ford... Uh, GM, they, they have some scale, but they're not they're not anywhere close to what uh, Model Y and Model 3 are, are being produced at. So, you know, to me, it's like you have to really just, if you're an automaker right now, you either have to like bear down on costs or, or ramp up significantly. And I, I know a lot can't, I, I know a lot of automakers can't ramp up because they don't have the lithium battery supply chain. Yeah. But and the supply chain and the, the new factory style too, like the gigafactory style for the vehicle themselves. Uh, because like, like GM and Ford are the ones that I'm least worried about because they, they did that those investments like in the last two or three years. Like they, right. they are those, those new giant factories, those new giant complex that are being installed both on the, on the battery side and on the vehicle side. But the automakers that didn't do that, and we're going to get to one of them later on the show, uh, it is worrisome. Like it feels late in the game to do it. All right. <coughs> Sorry. Why are those all popping up all the time? Yeah, I, I changed something. But I'll, I'll keep reminding myself and do it. Uh, the Tesla energy storage business is booming and it's just the beginning. So that's one of the other things that we saw from that um, Tesla earnings. It's uh, energy storage is on the rise and a lot. A uh, record deployment of 2.4 gigawatt hour of energy storage in Q4. That's 152% up year over year and 300 megawatts over quarter over quarter. That's a lot. Um, like That's like a one giant battery project more in a single quarter. And, um, and, and that's really only just the beginning because... Obviously, Mega Factory, the new Latrop California factory where they produce the Mega Pack now, has started production. But production started like early in the quarter, and the ramp up started to be significant around mid to end of the quarter. So I think it probably did contribute a little bit to this new record quarter, but not that much. I think most of the capacity we're going to see coming in Q1 and Q2 as Tesla ship those Mega Pack and deploy them. They need to be deployed for uh, for them to count in the quarter. That, that can take time. So I think we're going to see a big impact on Q1 and then Q2. And then late second half of 2023 might be big. So Tesla deployed now 60, uh, 6.5 gigawatt hour in uh, 2021, uh, 2022, which is up 64% over 2021. So 64% uh, is uh, a higher annualized rate of uh, growth than Tesla's automotive business, which grew, I think, at 47% last quarter. So the, the energy storage business now officially is growing faster than Tesla's automotive business. 
Obviously, it's still a fraction of it when you look at the revenue and everything. But for now, for the first time, Tesla is over a billion dollars a quarter from his uh, energy store, not just energy storage, actually, uh, his energy business, energy storage and uh, solar. So when you're talking about the business that's not bringing a billion dollar a quarter, you're talking about serious business. And I think, again, it's just the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to like probably $3 billion a quarter by the end of this year. Yeah, like if, if Q4 was $3 billion a quarter, which I know it's a lot, it's three times what it is, uh, what it was this quarter, so year over year of 300% uh, improvement. But uh, it, the mega factory was going to be fully ramped up, I think, at this point. So it's going to have a massive impact. And, and Powerwall is also no joke anymore. I think Powerwall is like close to a rate of 4 gigawatt hour a year. So it, it it's not nothing like 4D gigawatt hour a year that mega pack is going to do soon. But uh, it's still it's still significant, and I, I I would assume that that's also ramping up because the backlog is also significant. It's big business. That's my point. And you need it. You need you need it to to support the the continued growth of uh, of solar and wind, which are intermittent energy producing assets. You just you need the storage to balance things out. Sorry, everyone. I'm losing my voice a little bit. I've been sick this week and. I thought I was the at the end of it, but um, for some reason my voice is the uh, last thing to go. Uh, quick update on the Cybertruck production timeline. Not a huge update, but one that does is basically what we've been expecting for a while. But I think we are more on the conservative side when it comes to Tesla production timeline. And a lot, I know a lot of Tesla fans have been like very optimistic, especially like the last Tesla vehicle to launch with the Model Y. And the Model Y was actually early uh, production. Like Tesla was early on this one, so people are like, oh. Maybe Tesla finally changed its tune, and now they're going to be early on temporary expectation. That's what the new uh, production update says. So Elon says, we do expect to start production. I don't know, maybe sometime this summer. And you have to take Elon's words exactly when he does the timelines. Maybe sometime this summer. It's pretty vague. But it's later, and it's because obviously, well, I shouldn't say that for context, the timeline that we that Tesla was officially guiding before was startup production in mid-2023. So summer is still mid-2023, so it's not necessarily a delay, but uh, let's continue the comment. But I always try to downplay the startup production because the startup production is always very slow. It increases exponentially, but it's always very slow at first. So I wouldn't put too much thought in startup production. It's kind of when does volume production actually happens, and that's next year. So a lot of people also had hope that because the Cybertruck is somewhat minimalist, somewhat simple even though it does require brand new manufacturing techniques to to build it um, that it might be able to ramp up faster but the ramp up is coming next year and same thing then uh, last marovi the vice president of vehicle engineering at tesla had it that uh, they're currently building the production line but he also emphasized that the production ramp is only going to happen next year uh, so from my like so from those comments i i made some just calculation where Basically what I said before, but I wouldn't expect more than five or 10,000 max. Like 10,000 would be great. 5,000 would be probably what I would expect. Uh, cyber trucks in 2023, so in the second half of 2023. And uh, then the problem, so like normally it takes Tesla about at least a year to ramp up to 5,000. With, with uh, like Berlin and Texas, it has taken a little bit more than a year. Maybe it's going to be a bit smoother because it's going to be the second production vehicle at Gigafactory Texas. So that, that could help a little bit. So we don't know. I don't know. But with, I mean, I have to say, like, 
even that seems very optimistic to me. Because uh, this is a whole new vehicle that they've never built before. And it's a whole new process. And yeah. the stainless steel and like 16 other things that uh, they have no idea for. And, you know, we, we were seeing like Rivians driving around like Patagonia like three years before, uh, you know, like product. those weren't productions. Those were early um, prototypes. But um, we've only seen like two Cybertrucks like go around. You know, we're well, seeing they, like the call that they have a few prototypes, a few beta prototypes right now. Uh, yeah, but they're not like out in the world. They're, you know, they're, yeah. they're like show cars. And, you know, I've seen the one that, you know, that Elon drives and it's. Oh, but th those were pre-beta though. They're new ones. They, they did mention that they have new, uh, a new right. fleet of beta vehicles. Now they might not be like being spotted in the wild, but uh, they might be like on uh, private test grounds and all that. Maybe, but like. If somebody, if there's a cyber truck out there, people nah, see. Yeah, it. I know what you're saying. It's not, it's not like you Hard can hide miss. that thing. Yeah. And and the the ones that we were driven around, yeah. you know, the one that at the launch, and and the ones that are driven around, I think those are just like Ford F one fifty shells with like sheet metal stainless steel on it. I don't think it's you know built using that process they're talking about. So I am very pessimistic on the, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic on Tesla being able to build inexpensive, uh, fast, you know, exciting, uh, you know, sedans and SUVs in the model three and model Y, but, uh, I am very pessimistic on them building a truck anytime in 2023. And I think 2024 is going to be really no low numbers. I mean, if they if they do start ending this summer with very low, like very very low production, I they would just need to ramp up over like four or five months to ramp up to like five hundred units a week. At some point in Q four, to be able to produce like four or five thousand units, so I don't think that's impossible. But if but like like Elon said, and that's very important for people uh, for investors is. Cybertruck for sure won't have won't be a meaningful contributor to Tesla's financial performance in, in 2023. That that there's no doubt. And on the contrary, it's going to be a drain on it because the production rate is always a drain on the company. Right. So that that's definitely the main takeaway. But yeah, but what I was going to say earlier is that I I would think maybe 150,000 units in 2024. Maybe that would that would be like my optimistic view at it. So my my guess is that. 2024, there will be 50,000 units, and there's going to be like a handful in 2023. Okay, I think uh, I think might, uh, like I would right. say I would say in the hundreds in 2023. Mm -hmm. We'll right. see. We'll see. Now we get into the the not so good stuff, <laughs> and I want everyone to keep in mind as we go into the not so good stuff. All the good stuff we just talked about because every time we say anything negative about Tesla, it, it, like, it erases all the positive we talked about before. It's like, oh, it's all – you guys are just are, are just negative or just haters and all that. What about all the stuff we just said 10 minutes ago? Anyway, let's get into it. So this one was the weird one. Like That was uh, kind, of, kind of shocking really uh, to a degree. And honestly, I lost some uh, – 
when I, I wrote that, I lost some respect for Elon Musk. And the people were like, did you have any respect to lose? It's like, yeah, I had some respect to lose. Uh, I've been losing respect for Elon Musk for a while now, obviously. But uh, yeah, there was some more to lose. So people took offense with the word of, of that headline. Elon Musk dismisses his negative impact on Tesla's reputation with douchey answer. So a lot of people took offense with the word douchey. But I challenge anyone to read the question within the context, a very important context, then read or listen to, sorry, I keep losing my voice, read or listen to Elon's answer and give me a better word than douchey for his answer because I just don't know any better word for it. And you know what? I think I think Elon might want to take that one back too. I, I, I think as he was saying it, I was listen, I listened to it three times. And at one point, I don't know when we're going to get to it, but at one point, uh, when he said that, yeah, when he literally said that, I'm, I you, might... You uh, got to open the page. Reason, the, sorry? The, the page didn't open again. Oh, again, sorry. Then keep reminding me. If, uh, somewhere. Uh, at some point, he said, that suggests that I'm reasonably popular. So when he said when he said that, he, he sort of had it the reasonably, and I, I think... I think he, he felt it. He felt like, oh, shit, I'm starting like a douchebag right now. And then he said, reasonably popular because it's such a, like, let's get into it. So basically, in the conference call, the first part, well, after the, the opening statements and all that, the first questions are questions now that Tesla uh, takes from say.com, which uh, pulls questions from Tesla real, retail investors. And this one, while the why they asked it, on the call is because it was one of the most upvoted one. More specifically, 3,000 Tesla retail investors ask for this question to be asked. So it's, it's your investor base asking the CEO of a company a very serious question. Serious question was, since Elon started political influencing, polls from Morning Consult and YouGov show that Tesla brand favorability declining in 2022 and division along party lines. Such brand damage can impact demand. Does this attract favorability? And how will any brand damage be mitigated? Very good question. Very, very serious question. question. Never note the question never mentions the word Twitter whatsoever. No mention of the word Twitter, but it does in, indirectly reference uh, what he's been doing on Twitter, which again, it, political influencing is a good way to put it because he has literally asked people to vote for a specific party. He has uh, been making a lot of political comment on Twitter and all that. And, and we've reported uh, seriously on that stuff for, for months now and how it has indeed impacted Tesla's brand. And we, we've seen it personally and we've seen it in polls and all that. Very serious question. And Elon's answer, Elon's answer was... Well, uh, straight up, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not like editing it in any way. Here is well. Let me check my Twitter account, and then he pauses as if he. I, I would assume there's no video of it, but I would assume he's actually pulling out his phone. Uh, so I got 127 million followers, and it continues to grow rapidly. That suggests that I'm reasonably popular. Now I might not be popular with some people, but for the vast majority of people, my follow account speaks for itself. My follower account speak for itself. I have the most interacted social uh, account maybe in the world, certainly on Twitter. <coughs> Tell me that's not douchey. And I, I, I challenge if we have people right now in the comments that I, I took offense with, my, with the word douchey, 
I'm completely open to a better word. If you have a better word, I'll use, I'll change the headline right now in front of you and, and put it if you have a better word. But I think that like, who the hell brags about the number of Twitter, the Twitter followers they have? Actually, I think but, the YouTube video below uh, has it queued up to the question and answer. So maybe we can. Yeah, uh, you, you want us to listen to it? it? I don't know if we can hear it from the web page. Let's go to the next investor question. Can you hear it? Uh, yep. Since Elon yep. started political influencing, polls from Morning Consult and YouGov show Tesla ran you faster. <laughs> you crush them with your life. Um, show Tesla ran fa favorability declining in 2022 and uh, division among parties and lines. Such brand damage can impact demand. Does Tesla track favorability, and how will any brand damage be mitigated? Well, let, let me let me check my Twitter account. Um, yeah, so I've got 127 million followers. Um, it continues to grow very rapidly. Um, that suggests that I'm, you know, reasonably popular. Uh, did you hear it? Did, did, did you hear it? I'm a, I'm a, uh, the, reasonably popular. Like they, there was a dissertation there. He knew that was a weird thing to say, I feel right. like. Yeah, but he the, couldn't but just the, say popular. Yeah, but the, the, the strange thing in this is like, first of all, no one mentioned Twitter. Like, it, we mentioned the comments you're making on Twitter have an negative impact on Tesla. I think most, most people that are unbiased with this recognize that, I think. And, um, and for, first, like, if there's a better word than douchey, it would be dumb, probably, because the, the response is dumb because he seems to believe that, like, all people, or at least the majority of people following him on Twitter do it because they like it, which is a very weird assumption because like, I think a lot of people follow him because he's a very influential person that what he says has influence on, on people. So you, you want to be up to date with what he says. Uh, that's the, and, that, and that's good, obviously. And he's right that there's some influence on Tesla with that, like where he, he can try to use that to influence Tesla. But... Right now, I wouldn't be surprised if like 30, 40, maybe even close to 50% of the people that follow him on Twitter, they don't do it because they have a favorable view of him necessarily. So, uh, so yeah. So when you say something, it's like just you, you have more followers. It's just more people to piss off, really. And uh, but beyond that, beyond the douchiness of the of the uh, of the answer. I think is that he didn't actually answer the question. He really dismissed a serious question from a lot of shareholders. A lot of shareholders are, have a concern about it, and he completely dismissed it. And that has been a pattern for Elon recently, uh, just completely omitting like the actual impact that, that he has on Twitter, even with the, the sale of the stocks. Uh, because obviously that has been... I'm, I'm, I don't personally think that the, is, is, uh, the people's opinion of it of him has had the biggest impact on Tesla's uh, stock and demand. I, I think I think the sales of stock of Tesla and the loss of confidence that come with that has been the biggest one. And obviously, the open sales on the market is such a dumb thing. Uh, we have that, some uh, suggestions from the comments. We we uh, we see dickish and we see uh, conceited and self-absorbed, among other things. I would also like to is, yeah. Yeah, South Bazaar is pretty good. Just to add a little bit more before we uh, settle on a, a new word, um, <laughs> he then proceeded to try to sell Twitter to other automakers. Yeah, in the middle of a Tesla earnings call. <laughs> 
Yeah, uh, as close he came as close as you can without actually doing it, which is another thing I think he he, he kind of reverted the last second where he was about to do it because he, he he clearly was he was doing getting, it. I think he, he did was it. getting into a pitch and then he switched to you should use Twitter more instead of like you should actually like buy ads on it or anything, but which I mean you should use Twitter more like okay, uh, but he's literally selling Twitter on a Tesla earnings call. A call for shareholders who have been battered over the last year because he bought Twitter and uh, sold forty billion dollars on the open market to do it. Yeah, I mean, wow! The, the like Tesla the self-awareness is... of that was was uh, very like it's worrying. I think it's one. It's just one more example of Elon being a, not just a little, but increasingly disconnected from the reality of uh, of what's happening at, at, at around of the objective people that are looking at Tesla right now, uh, which leads us to our next post. Cause that, that was also another thing that he said that was, uh, I'm going to have to do that here. Do that now. Oh, I should have done that. Well, okay. First, first we should do this. Um, let me reopen that. <clears throat> Good news. Please while you're doing me. that, we're going to have a Rivian to review, uh, early February. So, Nice. Uh, R1S. Excited. R1S. There was a little bit of talk of the hardware for the autopilot slash self-driving hardware update that's coming. Not No details on the actual hardware. I think that could come really any day now. Uh, but uh, he did say that look, the Cybertruck is going to get the hardware for it. That was not, not a surprise because the Cybertruck is going to arrive after the updates, obviously. But... Uh, he, he did. He did kill any hope of a retrofit, and we talked about that a few episodes ago, where I, I had serious doubt that Tesla was going to do any retrofit of the uh, new hardware. But Elon says the cost and difficulty of retrofitting hardware three with hardware four is quite significant, so it would not be, I think, currently feasible to do so. So it basically shut down the idea that that would be the case. Uh, but he did elaborate on. I mean, that's also not a surprise. So a lot of people had concern that you would need hardware four to achieve full self-driving capability which I think you should still have some doubts at least, some concern uh, after this. But he said that hardware 3 will not be as good as hardware 4, obviously. But I'm confident that hardware 3 will not will, will so far exceed the safety of average human. So how do we get ultimately, let's say, for argument's sake, if hardware 3 can be 200 or 300% safer than human, hardware 4 will be 500 or 600% and then hardware 5 and beyond that. So... So what's interesting here too is the language you use when talking about hardware three is so far exceed the safety of average human. Okay, that's good. Obviously, safety is the most important thing and we, we want safety to improve, but that's not what you've been selling. So people, like some people are buying for safety, obviously, and God bless you. But most people paying $15,000 for full self-driving package right now are doing it because they've been promised that Eventually, they'll have a robo taxi. That's what's been promised, and uh, we haven't heard or at least a word like a robo taxi for themselves. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's what I mean. That a, a car that you can get in and uh, you can tell it where to go. You can fall asleep and go there. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's that's exactly what Tesla and Elon has been selling us for uh, seven years now. Coming up on seven years. Right. So that's what they're saying, and there's no word about that anymore. Now it's safer than human, which I mean, it's a, a good. Pivot, I'll give him that, uh, but it's not what's been promised, and that's why there's a there's a like 
five or six, uh, uh, what you call it, class action lawsuits coming their, their way regarding fossil driving. So truckload of them. Uh, which leads me to my next post, which is Elon, again, I, he's using some weird language that, that shows a disconnect with the reality of it, of, of what's happening with full self-driving data, uh, from a user perspective at least, which is that he literally says that you're not smart if you don't understand the value of full self-driving that Tesla's going to create with the, with the software updates. And... Uh, and that that's so strange because I don't I don't I don't think anyone doesn't believe that. So he said something that I think only some of these smart retail investors understand, but I think a lot of others maybe don't. Maybe is that every time we sell a car, it has the ability just from uploading software to have full self-driving enabled. Full self-driving is obviously getting better very rapidly. So full self-driving is obviously getting better. I know that's so obvious. So that's actually a tremendous upside potential because all of those cars, with a few exceptions, only a small percentage of cars don't have hardware 3. So that means that there are millions of cars where full self-driving can be sold in essentially 100% gross margin, and the value of it grows as the autonomous capability grows. And then when it becomes fully autonomous, that is the value increase in the fleet. That might be the biggest value increase of anything in history. Yes. So is my, my, my thing that I, I took offense with that is that no, who is he arguing against? Like, who is he trying to sell the fact that, hey, once we enable full self-driving, it's going to be the biggest asset value creation in all time. Obviously, everyone can see that if you have a fleet of millions of vehicles and from just flipping a switch, they all become self-driving. Everyone understands like, that's, that's incredible value creation. Maybe he's right. Maybe the biggest of all time. But no one is arguing against that. My problem is, I think he's seeing the doubts that people have around full self-driving and assigning like that reason to those doubts. But that's not where those doubts come from. Right. Those doubts come from people not necessarily believing that Tesla can achieve it, especially on the current hardware and or, or at all, really, with the current strategy, which I'm not one of those people, by the way, but I do understand those doubts. I'm and honestly, people. I don't know if I'm not one of those people just because I, I'm, I'm, not bi I'm not unbiased about it. I, I bought it. I want him to succeed. I don't want my $5,000 to go garbage. I, I'm also in, in the, uh, yeah. the bought it category. So, so maybe I just believe it because I want to. I, I, I don't know. But um, I, do, I do share with the doubts to a degree. And... Um, and yeah, and him saying that it obviously getting better very rapidly, I just don't agree with that. Yeah, I and I don't, don't think anybody agrees with that. Like, yeah, even he he has a weird view about it because he's always like the most alpha built ever. That's always what is in his car. So you always see like new features, new capability being, being coming, like that we don't like the he's on like eleven dot three right now. Well, Eleven has never been public yet. It was supposed to be last year. So this is a real, it's distorting his view here because we, we don't see it obvious. I have it for almost a year now and I don't see any meaningful improvement. Maybe like a slight smidge, but for a year, if it took a year to get that slight smidge improvement and you're still so far from the promise of a robo-taxi, how far are we from, if, if unless the improvement rate like shoots up 
5,000%, it's still years and years away. Now, I know that some people are saying, oh, yeah, Dojo is coming. That will increase the rate of improvement and all that. Uh, more people in, in have it now over the last, like, two months, three months. So that's more miles. That's more data and everything. But there's been a, this, over the last year, there's been a giant increase in miles. And we haven't seen a giant increase in, in, in rate of improvement. So, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, th I think it's disconnected from reality uh, more than a little bit. Maybe not a lot. He's still, I th I'm still a fan. I think he's a super smart guy and everything. I think he had the biggest impact on electric vehicle on space than any single person uh, of his generation. But I think Twitter is warping his brain right now. He's too much on Twitter. He's too exposed to sick of fans praising him and saying that FSD is the best thing ever created. And, and again, I want to be careful because I, a lot of people say, you keep trashing FSD. I keep trashing the discrepancy between what was promised and what has been delivered so far. That's what I'm trashing. I don't want to belittle, especially the people that are actually working on this technology at Tesla, the, the, the autopilot team, the full self-driving team, the AI team. They're doing an amazing job. Like if, if Tesla had never promised anything about full self-driving and just push an update to our cars right now with this, we would all be amazed. We'll all be, oh, wow, that, that's where they are right now. This is amazing. Like, this is if they had never promised anything. But for seven years, they've been promising a robot taxi service, and that's what we have right now. So, that is what's upsetting, not the actual capacity. It is impressive that just with a vision system, what they're able to do is stunning. Congrats to everyone involved. You are miles away smarter than me. But don't need to be that smart to understand that the discrepancy between what was promised and what has been delivered so far. It is bad. It, it's also a little bit frustrating that uh, not only is Tesla not making much progress, but Waymo and Cruise are like driving around San Francisco and Arizona and now Austin uh, with their cars with like no drivers. And of course, their cars look like freak shows with, you know, all kinds of equipment on top and they're, you know, in only mapped areas. But the mapped areas are cities, and that's that's the hardest uh, area to drive in. And of course, there's problems with those at points where they get stuck, or um, I think we saw one was impeding a, a fire uh, thing, or ran over a fire hose or something. So um, it's not perfect, but it's way further along than uh, even Tesla. Commercially like, speaking, like for a commercial, like it's actually useful. Like FSD right. beta is for the most part not useful. Waymo and Cruise have, like you said, issues, but they have a useful service at least. Right, and and should clarify also, autopilot is certainly useful. Oh yeah, uh, when but full self driving not. No, and no, and I would also I compare it to like I feel like I'm in, I feel like I'm a driver to head instructor inside the car, and the driver's head instructor is a job. So when I get into my car, I'm not looking for a job necessarily. I know that, yeah, you, you're training the system a little bit and all that, and I, I get that to a degree, but I, when you're a driver's head instructor and you have like a 16-year-old like teenager next to you full of hormones and doesn't listen to you, it is, it is stressful as hell. Uh, not a job that I want. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not what I, uh, I signed up for, let's say. So the other thing that we should also clarify is like we're not talking about autopilot that so what we have on Tesla now for highways is good but 
we're also kind of curious why we still need to, you know, hang on to the wheel uh, during, you know, the, during autopilot, during full self-driving when companies like cruise or sorry, uh, super cruise, blue cruise from Chevy and Ford, for instance, Mercedes um, just use the camera, which Tesla has to, to do eye tracking. Like why can't Tesla do that? Like, I feel like we have the camera, Tesla's smart. They, they, they do eye tracking now. Uh, FSD beta does eye tracking now. But you, you, you're not allowed to. No, you're not. No, it, it doesn't enable you to remove your hands. Yeah. Right. So that why, like, I, you know, I, I drove a Ford F one fifty on the highway, and it, you know, I could take my hands off and just like, you know, hang out, cross my legs, and you know, chill. Uh, that was a much better <laughs> experience than, you know, uh, having to put weight on a steering wheel the whole time. So it just seems like Tesla's not making strides. They're not in the going in the right direction at a speed, which would bring full self-driving to fruition anytime soon, like within mm. years. So that's, that's my gripe. Yeah. So I, I like to address the comment here, a very, a very snarky comment from Del Spiva. Let's do a podcast where the panelists do no deep diving into facts and data. And well, this is it. I would love to do a deep dive into FSD beta data. Show me the data. We did it. We actually did it a few, like a month or two ago where we had data, the only data available on FSD beta. And we did the deep dive in them and it wasn't looking good. Uh, but it was a very limited set of data, very bad data really, uh, because, but it was the only one. So we, we would love to have more data on FSD beta. We would definitely dive into it. Tesla has been manipulating the system so that they don't have to release anything and they've done that for a while now. Uh, so, so don't put that on us to put that on Tesla. You want some data? The only data that we have now that, that Tesla released on FSD beta is the cumulative miles driven with FSD beta, which is uh, now just reached over 90 million miles. Okay. That's all nice. the data. Yeah. I mean, it was a it's year a ago. Podcast. A year ago, it was uh, tw uh, 15 millions. Now it's 90 millions. Yep. That's, that's great. But over those uh, 70 million miles, not that much improvement uh, based on my own experience with the vehicle and uh, based on other people that I know are, are unbiased about this. Uh, if you go on to that, I love that. Um, some some guy on, on, on Twitter after I wrote that article was like, um, you're the only one I see on Twitter uh, having this bad experience with FSD, but everybody else I see uh, just praise, praise the system and all that. It's like, yeah, I mean, the, don't you see like a weird pattern on this on Twitter? Go off Twitter, go like all the news articles about it, of like unbiased people trying it for the first time. Everything. Or Reddit. Or... Yeah, or Reddit, a lot of it on Reddit too, that it's uh, a lot less friendly to uh, Elon. Like on, a lot of people on Twitter, they're doing, well, I, I want to be careful because there's, there, there's a bunch of different reasons they would, they, they would do that. Obviously, a lot of them are Tesla investors. A lot of them own a lot of Tesla shares and they don't want to make Tesla look bad. So you have to be careful with that. Like I understand why they would do it. There's nothing illegal about it. They're just warping the opinion about it. Um, a lot of them are just want want to like be uh, like an Elon supporter, and they want to be retweeted by Elon and everything. So they tag Elon in their FSD video that looks good and all that. Like you cannot trust that. And uh, a lot of them also they just they just want to justify their own purchase, which is me. Like, like that, that's that's that, that's my bias that I have. I'm trying to be careful about. Like I'm try. I, I want to be making sure that I'm not just like. <laughs> I, 
I cannot say that I'm overly positive about it, but the, the positivity that I have for FSD, which is there is some, as we discussed earlier, is not just due because I bought it and I want I want it to succeed. All right, moving on from Tesla. Uh, Toyota, like I said earlier, they had a new CEO this week. You got to, oh, there it goes. Never mind. Yep. So not, uh, uh, not too much information here, really. Uh, the new CEO is the, um, uh, was the CEO of Lexus, which was a, c a company owned by Toyota, obviously, a brand owned by Toyota. And um, so it's going to be Mr. Koji Sato, 53-year-old Lexus chief brand. Lexus and, doesn't really have a ton of EVs, FYI. Yeah, well, I mean, they only have what Toyota makes for them, right, basically. Right. Uh, so I think that's misreported. I think that so the, that comment is from uh, the current CEO, Mr. Toyota, Mr. Toyota, that says to advance change at Toyota, I have reached a decision that is best for me to support a new president while I become chairman. So now he's becoming chairman. So he's not really exiting the company. And again, that guy has been uh, the leader of Toyota for a long time, and a lot of the blame of Toyota being late in uh, all electric vehicles, specifically because obviously they have a bunch of hybrid and plugins and whatnot. But with all electric battery vehicles, have been extremely slow to the transition. A lot of the blame has been put on him. So now, Mr. Koji Sato. So, so why we said this could be interesting with notification is the the only comment that uh, Sato said was like, we would like to demonstrate this commitment to make better cars through concrete actions and products such as accelerating the shift to electrification and engaging in car making. In car making that responds to diverse value and local needs. Very political comment, really, like. Uh, it's not, uh, I mean, politician comment, I would I should have said. Uh, and also electrification is a word that uh, I think it could also mean just hybrids and plug-in again. Or even the hydrogen, because they've been investing a lot in hydrogen too. All right, yeah, staying with the Japanese automaker, uh, Acura takes a page of the Tesla playbook and uh, announces it's going to start selling EVs online. So to compete with, with Tesla, Rivian, and Lucid that are now like just purely online, well, of course, they have stores too and whatnot, but um, the, the actual experience starts online and ends online. They announced that they're going to do the same, but uh, this is going to start with the ZDX models, uh, ZDX and ZDX uh, Type S variants, which are the ones that we previously reported about, which are the one co-developed with GM. So it's it's not even... Acura on does own technology, or uh, partly its own technology, I would say. Uh, so we've been we've been kind of worried about Honda and uh, consequently Acura because they, they are kind of offloading some of their early technology, early steps into electric vehicles to another automaker, uh, losing expertise in the process at a time where they already are late in electric vehicles. So not a good look. Another good look for, uh, for Honda slash Acura. All right, the 2024 Polestar 2 has been officially debuted. So we have, uh, we've been talking about the rumors over the last few weeks about what was new, what was coming. And uh, sure enough, the new uh, rear-wheel drive option is now there. There's new motors and there's more range. So we have all the details now. Um, oh my God, I'm losing my voice set. <laughs> I'm losing my voice. Almost to the questions. Yeah. All right. Uh, long range. Well, we already went into the long, the range thing, the 270 miles now, uh, 300 miles for long range single motors. 
Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, here's the detail for the long, the sing, long range single motor, rear wheel drive now, 82 kilowatt hour battery pack. So the, the battery pack is bigger on this one. That's strange. Uh, so you do both get a bigger battery pack, which is four kilowatt hour more though, but also better efficiency. So you get up to 300 miles of range. Uh, that uh, you get higher DCFC charging speed too. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, 205 versus 155. I guess that little uh, added buffer of capacity enables that. You just uh, lose some acceleration, I guess, which is uh, 5.9 seconds instead of 4.3. But big whoop. Yeah, I think it's a big psychological thing to get up to 300 miles. Mm. Something that uh, Polestar has kind of been, you know, when you compare it to Tesla and um, Hyundai, Kia, whatever, uh, to have that model that can go 300 miles is uh, is a is a big deal. And then, of course, you get to the dealership and you drive the you know dual motor one. You're like, that's the one I want. Okay, I'll take the the hit on miles, whatever. Mm. And in terms of pricing, it's also cheaper. So you know, the longest range version is a cheaper, which makes it interesting. Uh, they only release the European prices starting at 54,000 euros, which is equivalent about 58,000 uh, US, but I don't think they remove the taxes from that. So uh, probably something closer to uh, 48, 58, uh, 48, $50,000. Yeah, we know prices have been dropping. Yeah. So. It's kind of early to announce the 2024, too. Yeah. I know that's the uh, Osborne effect. They're going to have some issues with that, probably. Yeah. They, uh... All right, let's get the questions. I can... <laughs> just, uh, All right. Just uh, first voice. question came before we even started. Anything new known about the CCC, sorry, CCCP holdup of the Shanghai expansion for the new high-volume vehicle, or is that news for Investor Day? Yeah, we talked a little bit about it before the show, but uh, yeah, the, the the new model is definitely coming for Investor Day. Tesla said that uh, the new vehicle platform is going to be discussed during the Investor Day, and all uh, we expect a, a couple new vehicles to come out of that platform, uh, including that high-volume one that's supposed to be both made in Shanghai but also designed in China, so that's the one you're talking about. Uh, yeah, we're going to learn more about it. March 1st, March 3rd, whenever is Invest today. Yeah, it's early March. Here's an important question why you find that data. Nick Cedar asks, is Fred worried about Elon hacking his FSD and driving him off a cliff? Asking for a friend. Yeah, that's my biggest concern these days. Whenever I get into my car, I'm just... Uh, actually, I got an update the other day that I was not expecting. Like That would make me nervous. No, I'm not concerned about that whatsoever. I don't think Elon is that vindictive. Especially also, not, like, like, I, like, I would be impressed if FSD could drive where they wanted to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they kill me, it's by mistake, not, not yeah. with intention. Um, no, but and like I said, too, like especially if you're referencing the specific article from this week calling his answer douchey. I'm pretty sure he agrees with me at this point. Like Especially I just would just re-listen to it. And the way the way he said it when he when he talked about like he had it reasonably before popular, I think he realized midway to that answer that it was a stupid answer. All right, moving on. Dan Oberste, uh, he told us the right pronunciation of his name, uh, but I forgot again. Oberste, 
I think. Anyway, uh, I always assumed that Tesla couldn't find enough employees in or willing to move to Reno as the reason they never completed the originally planned building. I think that was the, the common yeah. uh, thing, but I guess they just didn't need uh, that space or whatever. All right, question. What is, yeah. What is the process for investors to sue the board to replace Elon? Well, I don't know if you can sue to replace. You just vote. Um, yeah. I feel like this is the most sustained good news out of Tesla in years, and he couldn't care less about it. Uh, well, that, yeah, that I, th- I, I like said said it, it's a vote, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there is an investor, uh, what do you call it, an investor proposal uh, that um, for the uh, and that's a bit confusing now with the investor day coming. There's also the, the investor day is not the shareholder meeting, so shareholder meeting is generally in the summer uh, or, or or fall. Generally in the summer, and um, and yeah, any investor can put their investor proposal, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's one about replacing Elon, especially if he continues that way, or at least replacing some board members so that they can direct Elon yeah. to be you know a little bit more yeah. reasonable. Well, some of them, some people have already, some tes- larger test investors have already uh, uh, indicated their intention to apply for a board seat. Right, Ross Gerber is one of those. All yeah, right. exactly. So Stu says Tesla made four point three eight billion dollar investment listed on their quarterly. Has anyone clarified what this was? I think somebody said um, it was a bond investment or something. Do you mean? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. They did, they, yeah, they did buy bonds and things like that because it just makes sense for now with the twenty two billion dollars they're sitting on. I thought he was referencing the new credit line that they opened to. They opened a five billion dollar credit yeah. line. All right, uh, try to make this quick. It looks like you're on desk door, Fred. Uh, I'm, I feel fine. It's my uh, voice. Okay, it's so weird. Uh, what will end up being the most important new EVs in 2023? That's a good question. I'm going with the EV9, reasonably priced full size SUV. I agree with that. Cybertruck, if it comes, pick up with high demand, and Chevy Equinox affordability and. You know, GM has said before that's a thirty thousand dollar car, starting price. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with that. Let's just off the top of your head, what do you think? What else is out there? Yeah, I mean, uh, those are good ones uh, from Justin for sure. So he said new EVs because I think the most important EV period of twenty twenty three is going to be the Model Y. Model just y. pure volume is going to it's yep. going to destroy everything in terms of volume. Uh, but new EV, uh, I think, well, for that year or long term, because. Uh, long term, I think it's Cybertruck, obviously, for the same reason. Uh, it's just volume. It's going to have the biggest impact. Uh, but the Equinox is interesting, too, I think, just for value. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't even think that Equinox is going to come close to Model Y in value, just, unless GM just goes, balls out and just invest everything in it. Yeah, along with the EV9, um, Hyundai, the, the parent company of Kia, uh, <laughs> division is going to release i think it's called the seven because they have the ionic ionic five they have the ionic six now they have the ionic seven which is going to be kind of like the ev6 or sorry ev9 um it would be nice if they gave these things real names instead of just letters well they're very much like even though the the ownership structure is very close obviously they're very much like separate companies. Like they, yeah. they act like when, when you confuse them or you link them together, they're like, hey, we're Kia. Yeah. We're not Hyundai and vice versa. Right. Even though we use the exact same platform. And Yep. Anyway. All right. So, uh, yeah, I think those are some good ones. Um, 
you know, from the performance standpoint, uh, Lucid's going to have their uh, crazy, like, uh, re uh, Remac competing kind of uh, vehicle. Uh, Sapphire? The Sapphire, right. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Ford doesn't really have anything lined up. The Roadster. The Roadster is supposed to be coming this year. <laughs> yeah, that's going to happen. Uh uh, not much else out there that I can think of that 2023 is going to bring. Um, but we'll see. I mean, but those, those were good ones. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, question. What is the biggest reason FSD innovation is so slow right now, despite more cars on the road? Is it loss of key leaders, Elon distraction, dojo, slow rollout, all of the above or something else? It's a hard, hard, hard problem to solve. And, and to be honest, like in the original investor, uh, uh, AI day, was it AI day back then? Yeah, it was AI day. The original one where it was more focused on full self-driving. Um, I don't remember who it was. I would assume it was Andre Caperty. He may, he, I, I think it was Andre. He, he laid it out pretty clearly that like everything they've done so far to make it like 95% self-driving, basically 95% uh, of like scenarios, but like the last 5% of scenarios just to get all of them is the hardest work. And it, so that's why like every like little percentage point, every, every little, just little nib of situational uh, experience that you can get, like it covers such a small part of the driving experience that you don't really see the improvement, really, unless unless you end up in that specific scenario, which again rarely happens. So you don't see that much improvement. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's that's the big. It's just a hard hard problem to to fix. Yeah, uh, and yeah, all of the above, and you know, it's kind of interesting because Elon has started to talk about solving FSD is going to require like like the kind of artificial intelligence that, you know, is, is, uh, what, what is that? The, the base level of like full, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the word right now. Um, but it's going to require so much of a higher level of artificial intelligence than, you know, originally was planned for. So I think on one level or on some level, the, the realization has come in that, Hey, uh, we, really underestimated this problem you know they didn't know like nobody knew uh how hard it was going to be so they're they're kind of finding out so yeah that too and and tesla has made some mistakes along the way too they, like they, they walk back hardware they, they change strategy and all that so those things also change your plans all right renee pulio says question oh wow that's great pronunciation there okay. not really i'm not, I'm not kidding uh, do you think that the Nevada expansion is the Gigafactory reveal for 2023? Do you see another announcement of a new Gigafactory? Yeah, yeah. I don't think that was it. Uh, like, uh, people got a little bit confused because the way the, the, the news came out, the news came out a bit of nowhere for a lot of people. And it confused me too, even though I knew that the expansion was happening uh, because the governor announced it like the day before where he said... Um, two new factories from Tesla, something like that, uh, in, in Northern Nevada. So it got people confused, like it's a new factory, but it's an expansion of Giga Nevada. So, so no, I do, I do expect that Tesla is still um, planning new factories. 
uh, including and Giga Canada, Giga Mexico still being in the running and just uh, not ready for an official announcement, I guess. Yeah, we've heard both Canada and Mexico mentioned mm-hmm. and near nearby you as well, Quebec, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of Canada. Uh, less people think Depending that I, who you ask. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, some of the commenters on that thing, I don't know if they were, uh, yeah. all right. I'm, it, we went, we went a lot of, uh, in chatting here. So I'm going to try mm. to scroll through some of this stuff. Yeah. We're having a lot all right. Of here we go. Time. Glenn Sanford question. After the recent price cuts, the secondhand market has opened up to many, many more people. Mm-hmm. Don't you think that this will have a massive effect on EV adoption? Great point, Glenn. I Especially agree. for Tesla, that's what we're seeing so far because Tesla has had the big price cut. Uh, I would assume that the rest of the market will follow as they try to compete with the new vehicle prices because obviously new vehicle prices affect used vehicle prices a lot. Uh, yeah, $18,000 down for Tesla over the last six months. Um, so yeah, that's a new level of affordability that uh, uh, for a lot of people. Obviously not super affordable still. I think the average used Tesla in the U.S. is still like $49,000. and that's Really? That's, uh, yeah. It's still not super affordable, they, but they were out of control for a while. Uh, right. So they, they, they've just come back to like out of control into like more reasonable, but still not truly affordable. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, not even going to try that. DJEJ NYC question, I think. Thinking about the trading in my model 2018 Model 3 long range, that's what I have. But seems like the only difference in 2023 is less features. Am I wrong? Other than the center console, uh, I wouldn't You're say less. The... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I wouldn't say fewer features, but I would say that um, you know the build quality in 2018 was garbage, and uh, you know things are. I'm having a lot of problems with my my uh, 2018. I'm sure you are too. The ones that have come out more recently are much better quality builds, and and of course they don't have some of the things like, um, you know, radar or or um, you know, the collision detection stuff and all the stuff they pulled out. But there's they're much better built cars more mm-hmm. recently. Go yeah, ahead. that primarily, and but for so a lot of people are like how big of a difference a build makes because I'm not having that many issues with mine. But the, the biggest thing that I noticed when I get into a new one is noise. Like, it's so much more silence inside the cabin, mm. much quieter inside the cabin than, uh, uh, than mine, uh, with noise specifically. Uh, so that's part of build quality, obviously, but the new thicker windows, that's, uh, that's part of it also. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely advantages. Um, but, yeah, I'll... But if you're if you're happy with your 2018 Model Three Long Range, there's not there's not that many reasons to upgrade. I have to say. All right, uh, Mark Webb question. I've noticed that Tesla have been releasing a few videos recently. Do you think that this is a sign that they are trying to create some new communication channels separate from Elon's Twitter? I think that you was last week. That. We, we, yeah, we 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 went into that last week, and the answer is yes, basically, yeah. Uh, question, Seth, I've seen some recent videos that indicate that Rivian batteries overheat and charge rate becomes slow. I've seen some videos as well. Are you finding this with your Rivian? My Rivian is going to be delivered in October to December, so I don't know, but uh, I've seen the videos. It sounds like uh, something that they can probably uh, fix with some software or some slower you know, charging rates or whatever. 
Um, but I don't think this is going to be a, a huge problem. It's it's a few people. I can't remember where I saw it. It was like one of my one of the videos I watched. Um, might have been out of spec or something. Anyway, um, so yeah, I don't think it's going to be a huge problem. Um, they can. Let's see. Uh, we have the Rivian thermal management rip rapid gate issue out of spec. Yeah, that's right. If it's a shame because they really need a better Tesla alternative. And then yes, artificial general intelligence is what I was trying to. Oh, I need, okay. I need some artificial general intelligence to come up with these words. All right, uh, let's see. Moving on. Uh, not too many more questions. Um, MSRP Raven 2019 turned single stocks for the win. MSP. Well, um, as performance Raven, so like the pre uh, the the pre refresh models. Oh right, stocks for the win. Yep. All right. That's uh, pretty much it. Alpha Motor is crowdfunding. If you look into the prospectus, it seems thin. Oh, I'll look into that because that that's my specialty. Like uh, <laughs> fake companies <laughs> trying to raise money. Uh, yeah, not fake like companies, but shady Hinden companies. Hindenburg of uh... yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I've did a report on Alpha Motors before too, where I had some serious concern that it was basically just. Uh, a marketing guy with some renders behind it trying to sell reservation. But that was Altis, wasn't it? Or is that different? No, Altis is a little bit more behind it, but I still have uh, I still have some serious doubts about them delivering. But uh, no, it's not. It, it, Alpha Motors was even worse, if I remember. I'll look into it, uh, Mr. Bike Angelis, or if you can send it to me, that would be helpful. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. appreciate you. I hope you had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. If you do enjoy the show, please give us a thumbs up, a like, a subscribe, hit the notification button, all that good stuff. It's free to do. Take a second, and uh, it helps us show more than you can imagine. Uh, if you're listening on your podcast apps, we got. Uh, I want to thank everyone that uh, posted five-star reviews last week. We had four great posts, five-star reviews. That's awesome. That helps us show a ton. If we can do more of those. It's perfect. Uh, we're going to see you same time, same place uh, next week.